This program provides education, not advice. See the truthayf.com disclosure page for details. This is where technology, innovation, and personal finance come together. This is the truth about your future with Rick Edelman. Brought to you by Global X ETFs, dedicated to providing investors with unexplored intelligent solutions, and by Invesco QQQ. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ, Invesco Distributors Inc. It's Wednesday, December 27th. A couple of months ago, I shared with you the story of J.B. Liebstein. He's a colleague of mine at Edelman Financial, where he is a financial advisor. J.B.'s been a financial advisor for oh, pushing 30 years now. Been with the firm at Edelman Financial for longer than I can remember. J.B. did something rather extraordinary a couple of months ago. I'm going to let him share his story with you in case you missed it previously and an update on what is going on with him and the latest of this saga. J.B., welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, Rick. I appreciate being here today. So, JB, a couple of months ago, after the horrific events in October, uh, when Hamas attacked Israel, you took it very personally. Yeah, um, it was really an attack, not just on Israel, but on all the Jewish people. So a couple of days after the war started, I headed on the plane and I landed in Israel about four or five days right afterwards. Uh, brought with me a bunch of... Um, supplies that I understood the Israelis needed, found a group of volunteers and started working on the day after I landed. And you've been there pretty much ever since. You came home here toward the end of the year just for a brief period to tend to some client needs in your financial planning practice with year-end tax activities and such, but uh, you're headed right back to Jerusalem after uh, the first of the year. Talk about your experience when you arrived in Israel, what you saw, and just tell us about that. Right. Well, as you know, Rick, the the country was not prepared for this to happen. Um, It took everybody, including the army, by surprise. Uh, They didn't have a lot of the materials and supplies that they needed. So they didn't have helmets. They didn't have flak jackets. They didn't have enough boots for 360,000 soldiers that they uh, called up from the reserves. Uh, So that's where a lot of the focus went with the Israeli budget. But there were a lot of supplies that were still needed by the soldiers. They needed warm socks. They needed thermal tops. And that's where we came in. So the Army supplied the big things, and we supplied everything else in between. Uh, So for the first three weeks, I called everybody I knew in the States and told them of the issues. And people were very happy to help. People would send me $500, $1,000, and this was at the very, very beginning. Everything went through my Venmo account. Uh, So we raised a lot of money, and it went into buy warm clothing for the soldiers along the border. But that didn't stop there. You started providing meals to the soldiers. Right, right. So one time we went down to an army base in the south, just outside Gaza, and we brought 1,000 dinners with us for Friday night Shabbos dinner. The dinners were home-cooked. It was um, fish, chicken, meat, uh, salads, challah, juice, everything that's sitting on, on a Jewish table for a traditional family on Friday night. The commander pulled me aside and thanked me for that. He said that it was the best thing that had been done for a soldier since the war began. And he told me if we could keep doing this, it would be the best thing that we could do for the soldiers. So I went back with my team and said, we have to keep doing this. It cost five bucks a meal, and we had to come up with $5,000 every single week on how to do this. And it was still rather new. This was three weeks into the war. 
So again, I got on the phone, called everybody new, told them what was happening. And we started a program called Shabbat Alone Together. And through that, we raised thousands of dollars to bring meals to the soldiers on the front. So I, I'm just astonished. I mean, forget about the humanitarian element of this. Forget about the human and emotional element of all this. I'm, I'm just astonished at the logistic challenge of this. How do you suddenly, from nothing, prepare a thousand meals a week? And I think now you're, you're doing a lot more than a thousand meals a week. How many are you up to at this point? Uh, this past Friday, we did 3,000, 3,000 meals. But it's a big endeavor. So we went to the mayor's office in Jerusalem and we told him we needed a facility where we could have a kitchen. He knew of a single family house that was empty. Uh, we took it and uh, we put it in the backyard, a, a kitchen. We built a kitchen, had electricity, had plumbing, and we bought a uh, stove, we bought an oven, we got a lot of uh, refrigerators donated. We had that kitchen up and going in two days. Then we got all the suppliers and we told them that all the food that we buy is for the soldiers. We were able to get everything at wholesale. Uh, we called a lot of volunteers and I think we only placed maybe 10 or 12 outgoing phone calls, but we had 50 or 60 people that wound up showing up from word of mouth. So uh, we go out there on Wednesday, we do the, we cut and do all the salads. On Thursday, we're cooking all the meat and fish and chicken. And on Friday, either we deliver it straight to the army bases in the South, or they send a soldier up to pick up the meals. But uh, oftentimes we, we go down to the Gaza border. We went to Kfar Aza, which was one of the kibbutzim that was attacked. We meet the IDF there. We hand them over the, the meals and they bring it in one of their trucks to the soldiers inside Gaza. I'm telling you, Rick, there's not a better feeling than to know that there are soldiers that are just taking a break, relaxing with their fellow soldiers and enjoying a good meal. You've been in Israel since October. You came back to the U.S. a couple of weeks ago to tend to some year-end issues for some clients, and you'll be returning to Israel in January. While you're in the States, who's running the operation in Israel for you? Well, I've got a great team in Israel. Uh, they're all volunteers that were working in many different industries on October 6th and October 7th. They all came together and, and formed a distribution center to take in donations and to distribute them. They're my team in Israel. Uh, they're still doing the dinners. They're still making the dinners and delivering them. I'm the fundraising arm. So I'm the Washington, D.C. or the Maryland representative, and I'm the one that's raising the funds. Uh, I send it to Israel every Wednesday, and uh, whatever we can budget, that's what we buy. So we take orders from the bases on Tuesday, and I find out which bases need how many meals for how many soldiers and where they're located. On Wednesday, it's a match between how many meals are needed and how much money I was able to raise that week. So far, we've been very, very lucky, Rick. We've been able to fulfill all the needs. Where are you getting the food from? We're getting it just from the uh, butchers. We're not getting them from the supermarket. We're getting them from the butchers directly. And then it's, it's brought over to our, our house and everything is established and, and cooked there. Now, when you began your efforts in Israel, you had talked about the fact that you were providing additional supplies and equipment and materials. Are you still providing assistance in those ways? That's a great question, Rick. Everything is in need in Israel right now. And we have, I'm very, very happy to say we've got around 32,000 undergarments being shipped to Israel in one process or another. About uh, six weeks ago, instead of me 
collecting money and then going to uh, an importer in Israel and trying to buy the undergarments, I called all the underwear companies I could find on the internet in America. I was lucky enough to find one company that was able to donate 32,000 pairs of undergarments, warm socks, underwear, and thermals. 4,000 of those are being shipped as we speak, and another 20,000 will arrive sometime the first week of January. So I'm not raising uh, money for that. Luckily, that was donated. All I had to do was pay for the shipping, which, of course, was quite a lot also. But that's going to be a party if you can make it to Jerusalem when 32,000 pieces of underwear arrive. I can tell you, you've never been to a bigger party. I'm very, very, very excited for that day. I mentioned earlier on that this is a very personal event for you, um, not just as a Jew, but because your family is in the midst of this. You have family in Israel. You have two of your three sons engaged in this at this point. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So two of my boys are there out of three. One's in college and the other one is joining the army in a couple of weeks. Uh, so he's joining the IDF in a couple of weeks and the oldest would join the IDF at the end of November, both looking to uh, do a combat unit. Uh, they've been training for this. They're looking forward to it. Of course, my wife and I are very, very worried, but we're also very, very proud that they've decided to take a stand and represent the Jewish people and it's a uh, fight for survival. You have now gotten to the point that you are doing this so consistently, thousands of meals per week for soldiers, that this is now requiring many, many thousands of dollars on an ongoing basis. So you're no longer funding this via Venmo. <laughs> so talk about the, uh, the nonprofit you've established to facilitate donations. Right. So I came back a couple of weeks ago for the sole purpose of making this a 501c3. Found all the paperwork was too much to handle at this time because I'm, I'm, I'm torn between being a financial advisor and being on the ground in Jerusalem. So I met with the rabbi and he basically said that all the checks would go to the synagogue, which is a 501c3, and that Shabbat alone together will be their campaign. So it worked out perfectly. So we have a website. Uh, it's called Shabbat Alone Together. Org, and it's a 501c3 because all the checks are written out to the synagogue, H of Greater Washington, A-I-S-H, H of Greater Washington. So the synagogue receives the money, the donor receives a donation, and uh, we are a campaign of the synagogue. And then the synagogue pays for all the meals in Israel, and we do all the cooking and deliver. I have to bring this up, J.B. The United Nations and others say that there's a humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Not only have the Israeli counterattacks against Hamas killed or wounded tens of thousands of people, there's no food in Gaza, there's no fuel, there's no water, the health care is virtually non-existent, and so on. How do you respond to people who raise an eyebrow over the fact that you're raising money to feed Israeli soldiers while there's a humanitarian crisis going on in Gaza? Well, that's a great question. But of course, Rick, every Jew's heart aches that there are people suffering anywhere in Israel and in Gaza. But from our perspective, we're fighting right now a war that is existential. We have Hamas in the south whose sole goal is to destroy Israel. We have Hezbollah in the north who has more arms than Hamas. Their sole goal is to destroy Israel. And we're receiving uh, missiles from Yemen and from Iraq also. So this is a fight for our survival. 
we have no qualms against the Palestinian people, but we do want to destroy Hamas. The war could be over tomorrow if Hamas would release the hostages and disarm, and if that would be it. But they choose not to. So we're very upset that there are civilians that are being injured and killed. But at this point in time, we are fighting for our survival. And for us, that's primary at this point. So for anybody who is interested in supporting JB's efforts, as he mentioned, the 501c3 organization allows for tax-deductible contributions to ShabbatAloneTogether.org. The link to that website is in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about spelling it. All you got to do is click. And I presume that you would take the attitude, JB, no donation is too small, no donation is too large. You got that right. Uh, $5 actually is what we calculated is for one soldier. And um, so we have plenty of soldiers to feed. So any donation is welcome and we really appreciate it. Let me share my thoughts with you on, on this, JB. First of all, what you're doing, what your family is doing is heroic. It's remarkable. It's noteworthy. We're just so very proud of you and, and in awe, quite frankly. It just really... What you're doing just takes your breath away. To put your life on hold, to give up your safety and your personal security here in the United States, to go to Israel, devote your life to this cause, it's astonishing. It's, it's just wonderful and heartwarming to see. I've also been equally astonished and angered over the incidents that we're seeing here on college campuses in the U.S. And I've been embarrassed and shocked, as so many of us have been, by the astonishingly poor behavior exhibited by so many university presidents. Everything that's happened, starting with the Hamas attack on October 7th, is so very disturbing on so many levels, all at the same time. And I've made it clear on this podcast and elsewhere that I stand for Israel. And as you've noted, Israel is experiencing an existential threat. Israel is retaliating to an unprovoked attack by Hamas. Their attack was not a military attack. It was not soldiers attacking other soldiers in order to achieve some military objective. This was a terrorist act. It was targeted at defenseless women and children, at elderly citizens and college students. Look, if you hit me and I retaliate by hitting you, I don't understand why people are mad at me instead of you. But put that aside. Fact is, I admire and love the Palestinian people just like I admire and love the Israeli people. The problem is that the Palestinians are being subjected to horrible abuse by Hamas. They're being used, these Palestinians, as human shields. We've seen the atrocities that are occurring. In my opinion, the only way that we can save the Palestinians is to eliminate Hamas. And that is why I am personally so supportive and why I am so convinced that Israel is facing an existential threat, and that why it is so essentially important that we support Israel. Now, I realize not everybody shares this view, but the fact is that Israel and Jews all over the world are facing an existential threat that we haven't seen the likes of since World War II and the Holocaust. And so Gene and I have talked about this extensively, JB. We want to say to you, as our way of saying thank you to the work that you're doing, we want to encourage our podcast audience to support your efforts with Shabbat Alone Together. And so for the next 48 hours, Gene and I are going to match all contributions that you receive to Shabbat Alone Together up to $100,000. So 
So if you donate a dollar, $10, $100, $1,000, we will double it. Go to ShabbatAloneTogether.org, make a donation to support JB and his efforts to be helpful in a very tangible, specific, and beneficial way for the soldiers of Israel. Thank you very much, Rick. JB, my friend, thank you for what you're doing. Stay safe. Keep your family safe. And with God willing, this will all be over very soon. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate it. I'm Yisrael Chai. That is ShabbatAloneTogether.org. The link is in your show notes. Landmark infrastructure legislation was passed in the last Congress. Now comes the work of getting it built. The Global X U.S. Infrastructure Development ETF, ticker PAVE, invests in dozens of companies helping shape the future of American infrastructure. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Investments in infrastructure-related companies have greater exposure to the potential adverse economic, regulatory, political, and other changes affecting such entities. Before investing, carefully consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. Support for Rick Edelman's podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents, people who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs' risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, carefully read and consider fund investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in prospectus at Invesco.com. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The information you need to plan for the tomorrow you want. This is the truth about your future with Rick Edelman.